listening to the message I have today. Turn with me to Malachi, the third chapter, if you would. Let's all stand as we honor God's word by standing. Um, the third chapter of the book of Malachi. I'm going to read to you uh, verses 7 through 14, but I'm only going to use one verse out of that group of verses that I'm reading uh, in Malachi 3. In Malachi 3 and verse 7 says, for, for even from the days of your fathers, you're, you are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye say, wherein shall we return? In other words, what have we done? Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? He says, in tithes and offerings. Now, I want to say this right here. People rob God in more than tithes and offerings. They rob God in time. They rob God in study. They rob God in a lot of things that people don't do they should be doing. And here's what he says. He says, ye, ye are cursed with a curse. Ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith me, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour into out, pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Verse 10. That's the one that I'm going to focus on today. Verse 10. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings of it. Thank you, Lord, for those you've sent out today, Lord. It's always good to see the Lord's people. I, you know, Lord, there's times when I can't wait to get here and, and see, and get to see the Lord's people when they come in. And Lord is so thankful. Uh, some of the, some that's gone sometimes, it's always good to see them back. And Lord, and some that, uh, are, are, uh, have been cold and indifferent, it's always good to see them back. And Lord, I just pray in all things that you might be honored and glorified. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. I preached a message like this back in, uh, I believe I, I looked it up. I, I think it was around 20, uh, 2009 or something like that. I preached a message like this. You know, time gets away from you. You don't realize how long it's been. Uh, but um, I've titled this message today, Prove me now. That's what the Lord says. Now this is the Lord saying now. Don't, don't forget this is not Brother Paul saying it. This is the Lord saying it. It's not Brother Paul saying for you to do this. This is the Lord saying it. He says, bring ye all the tithes. Now again, as I said, there's more here than just tithes in this, in this whole chapter that uh, Malachi is talking about. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there be meat in mine house, and prove me now. Prove me now. That's the title of my message, Prove Me Now. 
what the Lord says. I, I don't, I didn't say that. The Lord said it. Don't go away and say, well, brother Paul preached on this today. And as brother Paul said, we ought to prove the Lord. No, the Lord said, you prove me. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm already past that. I'm past proving the Lord because I, I have found over the years the Lord is as solid as they get when He promises you something. It's going to come. It's going to come to you. Because it's come to me. And I can sit here and testify that. But we won't talk about that today. I want to, I've got a pretty long uh, introduction to this message. Uh, now, there is a law in this country which says a man is innocent until proven guilty. And apart from, from the minds of unwise people who judge a matter before it's time, Christians would afford God the same justice that we give to our fellow man. You know, um, we don't, we don't, con- we don't condemn someone unless we know the whole truth, unless we know that, that everything is, is there and everything is set in place where you have the evidence, uh, that you condemn someone. Now I'm going to say this today that if God doesn't do what God has promised he would do, then, uh, then you can condemn God. God says, you don't believe it. God says, you don't believe I'll do this or I'll do that. He says, prove me now. Prove me now. Prove me now. <clears throat> Can't be any plainer than that. But how often do we frequently condemn God as being harsh when we hear from God's word the things God expects out of us. And uh, something I said last week that God said that I got ridiculed for. Now, let me tell you folks, it's not me talking today. It's God talking today. It's God who is saying, prove me now. It's God who is saying this. Men will not openly declare God as being unjust or unkind, but will show their displeasure at the message and even the messenger. They, they won't say that God is unfair, but they'll say you're unfair by telling me this. When all I'm telling you is God is saying, prove me now. You're going to hear me say this many, many times in this message. God is saying, prove me now. This causes them, that is those that have displeasure in the message of the messenger, this causes them to be less mindful of the fairness of God. It causes them to feel that they have need of nothing and even come to believe that God is not as gracious and as kind as is proclaimed. Now, has God done anything to any of you 
that you feel he was unfair about? If he is, raise your hand. Because we'll, we'll discuss it. I'll discuss it right here in the pulpit. If you feel that there's anything that God has been unfair. Now, you, you could find a lot of things that I possibly have been maybe unfair about in preaching. But it's not, it's not, it has nothing to do with that. What has God been unfair about? What has God promised you that he hadn't come through with? Is there anything? Well, then this message ought to go over pretty good. Because if there's nothing, their fear is no longer out of reverence for God, but rejection by God. If any are here today who doubts the promises, the promised blessings of God, that if they do not, that they, if they do the thing God has required, God says to you, prove me now. You know, you, uh, uh, if you doubt it, if you doubt that if you start doing something that you're not doing right now, that God will bless you for it, then, then you, you need to realize that you're blaming God for not being faithful in what God is saying. You're blaming God for not being faithful. What if we ignore the challenge? The challenge that God gives us. Not the challenge I give you, but the challenge God gives you. What if we ignore the challenge? Do we have aught against God? If we say, well, what's the use? I had a member of this church several, several years ago. Several years ago told me that they have tried coming to church faithful. Now this, this member told me this. They said, I have tried coming to church faithful for a long time now. And he says, I don't see any change in anything. Now think about that for just a moment. He said, I don't see any change in anything as far as with his life. That's like old Oda Stanfield that when I said to him, all you got to do is just ask the Lord to save you and he'll save you. And Otis bowed his head and said, Lord, save me, Lord, save me, Lord, save me, Lord, save me. And he looked at me and said, what good did that do? I tell you, he taught me a whole lot there because that's what I was telling. That's what I was telling people when I was witnessing to them. All you've got to do is just ask the Lord to save you and he'll save you. Well, folks, there's more to it than that. There has to be Holy Spirit conviction. There has to be, there has to be the work of the Holy Spirit done on a heart and a soul before we can ever say, Lord, save me because let me tell you, if you're lost here today, you don't have a prayer. It's only after you're saved that you have a prayer that you can sit down and say, Lord, save me, and you've got a promise that he's going to save you. And it's going to happen. 
So what if we ignore the challenge as we say it? Do we have all against God? Can we prove that God is not what he says he is? Is there a time in which we can say God did not do what he promised? Is there ever a time that we can say that? If we can't prove God to be false, then we must start to prove God to be righteous and just. Prove God to be righteous and just. Prove God at what he says. God says, if, and look what he says here. He says, he says, in verse 7, he says, Even from the days of your fathers, you're gone away from mine ordinances, that is, my truths, and have not kept them. Return unto me, and what he said, and I will return unto you. Oh, you will. You know, we, we don't have what they call uh, rededications here. Because I'm one, I don't believe if you're saved, I don't think you have anything to rededicate. Because you've already dedicated your life to the Lord. And what does it do any good to rededicate it when you didn't dedicate it really to start with? But what, what about a time of, uh, what about, what about proving God on this right here? He says, return unto me and I will return unto you. Well, what's the very diabolical opposite of that? If you don't return unto me, I'm not going to return unto you. That's a di- diabolical opposite of it. If you don't return unto me, I'm not going to return unto you. Simple. But this is, this is applied to everything that you do as far as the Lord is concerned. The Lord says, if you'll do this, then I will do this. We're going to talk about here in a little while about some of those promises that that doesn't have uh, a promise on to them. We'll talk about that in a little while. If we can't prove God to be false, then we must start to prove God to be righteous and just. Though this is not our message today, But God gives us a prime thing in which to start to prove him true. That is, start giving back to God what is and has always rightly been his. That's what God is saying there. God God told them, he gave them an example. He says, they said, well, where have we, where, where have we turned from you, Lord? He says, when you started robbing me, well, are you robbing God of time in the Lord's house when you should be here? Are you robbing God of, 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 of tithes and offerings? Are you robbing God of, of, of other things that you should be doing? Brother Sam prayed a prayer a while ago. I don't know how many of you heard it. I listened. That water didn't hurt him none. That sunshine out there and them beauty, beautiful things he saw didn't hurt him none. He still prayed. He said, Lord, I thank you for those people who are in place doing what they should be doing. Well, that's the way God is. 
God expects His children to be in place doing exactly what they should be doing. Whatever it is. It doesn't make a difference what it is. Makes no difference what it is. If it's teaching Sunday school, God expects you to be in that place on Sunday morning. It's just like me pastoring up here. God expects me to be here Sundays to preach to you folks. God expects me to stay back there in that little cubby hole all week studying and putting together a message so I can get up here and preach it on Sunday morning. That's what God expects of me. I told Rhonda the other morning, I said, uh, I said, you know, I said, Rhonda, you know something I hate? She said, what's that? I said, having to clean up every morning. I guess a person could go back there and study dirty. I don't know. It, it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that you have to be clean to pray. It doesn't say anywhere in the Bible you have to be clean to do this or that. But I'm telling you, folks, these are more serious things. These are more serious things. There is never a time when man is left to decide on his own as to what God desires. Never a time. Nowhere in the Bible do you find that God ever gives men the power of saying what should be done and what shouldn't be done when it comes to God's laws. God is very clear on that. He says, you keep my commandments, and he says, I will love you. I believe over in 1 John, it says, whosoever keepeth my commandments, whosoever keepeth my commandments, they will be my children, and I will be their God. You believe God on that? Well, he said, prove me. Prove me. Prove me right now. Do it and prove me. Quit you lollygagging around and saying, well, I, this is what I think is okay to do. Do what God would have you do. And do it and God says, I will bless you. You won't have none of this. Of what goes on today among God's children. One of the major problems with this modern society is they trust no one. They trust no one. We, we live in a society today where they don't trust anybody. They trust no one, even God. It is not wise to always be suspicious of God and even our fellow man. There, it's not wise to do that. It's not, it's not wise to do that, but a lot of people do. If we believe every man we meet to be honest, then we will soon be bitten. You know, you, you'll soon be bitten. But likewise, if we are suspicious of every man we meet, we will not only be bitten, but we will be devoured. Because the 
We can't go to God. You can't go to God in prayer. In this circle we have every Sunday suspicious of what God's going to do. You can't do that. We will not see those. We will, we, if we, if we trust nothing or trust no one, and if you can't trust God, then you can't trust man. That's simple. We will not see those who are set here to help us. You know, God says, I set some people to help you. I set some people to watch out after you. You believe that? Well, evidently, some people don't because they don't listen to their pastor. They don't listen to their pastor. God has set people here to look out for you and me. They are on your side and not against you. I have learned a lot about the ministry since I have been a full-time pastor. I have learned who it is looking out for me and have learned to thank the Lord for them every day. And I pray God for those who seem not to look out after me. I pray for them. I pray that someday they'll they'll get the message and they'll see and they'll understand that there are people out to help you. Not everybody is here to judge you. Not everybody's here to judge you. It's sad that we have to I have to say to somebody, Well, I, I'm not going to judge you, but I won't tell you this right now. I'm not judging you, but I'm going to tell you this. It's sad that when you have to correct somebody, you have to tell them first you're not judging them. I said all that to say this. Learn to prove God and you too will learn who is really watching out for you. You will learn that it is God who is watching out for you and those God uses for that purpose. God, God, there's some of you who are set in here to watch out after one another. Sure you are. You're set in here to watch out for one another. You know, we, we've got people that's not here today. How many of you watching out for them? That's not good. That's not good that they're not in the house of the Lord when they should be. That's not good. Not at all. But how, how many watch out for them? Man, I was tickled to death this morning when Sam and Kara came in the door. Because I said, boy, they didn't fall over the side of that boat. Praise the Lord. I told them, I was telling Brother Sam a while ago that I heard on TV this morning where a cruise ship started turning over. And they had to empty every passenger on that cruise ship with a helicopter. They had to come in with a helicopter and pull every, every passenger on that ship up to the helicopter and, and rescue them. The cruise ship was already tilted over. 
Now, it wasn't, it wasn't in the Pacific or the Atlantic. It was in one of them other oceans overseas. They showed a picture of the people sitting in our dining and in one of, the, one of the ballrooms, it looked like a beautiful ballroom or something. And all of a sudden, that boom, all the tables went that way. All the food went that way. All the people went that way. That's how I saw it on television. There were some people killed and even some hurt real bad. So yes, I'm glad to see when any of you take off and go somewhere, it tickles my, it tickles me to death to see you come back safe and to know that you got back safely. But are you watching out after these folks that's not here today? How many are? I mean, watching out after them, how many of you are going to ask, tell them, well, we, we missed you. And you should be in church on Sunday. You should be in the Lord's house on Sunday. That's what I'll tell anybody. That's where you should be. I'll, I'll do it right here from the pulpit. You should be in the Lord's house on Sunday, serving the Lord. Now, if we're to understand, prove me now, we must see that God allows himself to be proved. I'm not telling you to, to do that. God allows himself to be proved. God allows you to prove him. You, if you're not doing something you should be doing, and you start doing it on the thought that God has promised me, if I will, then he'll be my God, and, and he'll, he'll give me the things that he says he's going to give me. Then God said, prove me. Start doing what I tell you to do. He says, you return unto me, and he says, I'll return unto you. God allows himself to be proved. Malachi 3.10 says, prove me now. All the works of God's hand are proofs that God is righteous and just. In Romans 1 and verse 20, that's the only verse you'll have to turn to today. In Romans 1 and verse 20 says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Oh, I, want, I don't want you to stand before God someday and try to find an excuse as to why you didn't prove God. Prove God that he's going to take care of you. Prove him. God has proved every day of the, of the earth's existence. The beast of the field proved God. The cattle on a thousand hills proved God. The lilies of the valleys proved God. The fowls of the air proved God. Yet none of them set out to do so. They prove him every day. Somebody, somebody told me, said the robins have returned. I believe it's Chelsea or somebody. Said the robins have returned because they were out there in their front yard the other morning. One Sunday morning. I mean, those robins didn't set out to prove God. They just did what God set in them to do. They, they went and got the worms when the worms were available. 
They went and got the food when the food was available. They proved God every day. They proved God by living the life God gave them. All of us believe that God takes care of his creation. Why can we not believe that he will take care of us? Why can we not believe if I do the things that I should do, that God is going to bless me with what he promised me? If we step out on faith to dedicate our lives to his service, then he has promised that he says, I will bless you. I will bless you. Some people, they go and they take a test or something, and Rhonda's, uh, Rosetta's husband, he's, he's been, he had to go get some units of blood because his blood had gotten real low, and they found that uh, he's got a leakage somewhere, and he's got to go this week to find out where it is. He's going to have to wait on what the doctors tell him. God has promised us. He said, I'll take care of you. He says, I will take care of you. This society that is the one we live in includes a lot of this society, which includes a lot sitting in houses of worship today, that don't want to get too close to God for fear of missing uh, on some secular pleasure of life. What is more important than serving God? You tell me today. Please tell me, and I'll try to do it sometime. You just tell me something more important than serving God. What is more important out there than serving God? Nothing. Every saved person has been called to go out into the world and prove through testimony the great attributes of God. We do it through our testimony. What is your testimony? It's not saying words. Your testimony is doing the thing that God would have you do. Rhonda knows if she remembers. We used to drive when I was pastoring in Kentucky that we used to have to drive uh, right at 50 miles I guess somewhere along in there to church every Sunday and we'd drive back every Sunday evening after church and I remember one Sunday we was going through Paris, Kentucky and the First Baptist Church there in Paris uh they got they got about twenty steps, brother Sam. Me and you'd be hurting. They got about twenty steps. You have to go up and get into the church building, but you can come in on the parking lot and walk right into the church building. But we went by the church building where all the steps was, and we went by there, and there was some girl going up through there. Her dress was so short that you could see her drawers. 
I told Rhonda, I said, there you go. I said, there's a downfall of us right now. That's the downfall of it. That was in the 60s. I said, right there. Prove God. When a saved person gets so tied up into the world, his testimony is just the opposite. Now, if we're to understand prove me now, we must see that God challenges us. He challenges us to prove Him. It's a challenge. It's a challenge that God sends out to you. It's not. It's, it's not coming from me. It's, it's from coming from God. It's a challenge. Malachi three ten. He says, "Prove me now." It's a challenge. God challenges us to prove Him. Those who doubt God, prove Him now. Those who have Mistrusted God, prove Him now. Those who fear the prog- fear the progress of life, prove Him now. Those who feel they cannot accomplish the work God has for them, prove Him now. There are three classes of promises that are taught in the Scriptures. There's a conditional promises. One must do something. For these promises to follow. Example, looking to God for salvation, our text on tithing is another. This can be extended to challenging our attitude about the work of God. There's a future promises. One must believe and wait. Example, the resurrection of the dead, the receiving of rewards. That's a future. That's a challenge for a future one. God says, if you believe Jesus died and rose again, then you can believe that God's going to open up the graves of the saved and bring them up. That's a challenge right now. Prove me now. Oh, I'll wait till I see it. I had a man tell me one time, I was teaching him about that, and he said, well, I'll wait till I see it. I said, you may not even see it. That man, by the way, that man's been dead for a while now. He said, I'll wait till I see it. And then there's the absolute promises. These promises will never be kept from a child of God. That's eternal life. If you're here and saved today, God has given you an absolute promise, and that is that you'll have eternal life. What a great blessing that is. If we're, if we're to understand, prove me now, we must see God gives us a time to prove him. When? Now. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not after you get everything done that you want to get done. Not after you do this, that, then, then I, I will, I'll start doing the things I should do. No. He says now. Right now. Promise me, approve me now. We are a people who are apprehensive of the present hour. We always want time to think upon decision. We want time to think up on it. He says, prove me now. Right now. What secret sin must I give up if I take the challenge now? What do I have to quit doing if I take the challenge now? However, 
in this realm of life, there is not time to waste. Any of us could be standing before our maker any second. You don't have time. You don't have time. You have no guarantee of a tomorrow. None of us do. None of us do. Judgment is just a second away. As the Apostle Paul says, Behold, now is the day of salvation. It's now. It's not later on. It's now. You, you, God, doesn't, God doesn't say, Wait, wait. Wait a little longer, please, Jesus. Just wait a little longer, please, Jesus. Just, I'm not quite ready yet. Just wait a little longer, please, Jesus. That's a song, isn't it? Wait a little longer, please, Jesus. If we're to understand, prove me now, we must see God gives us an argument as to the reason to do it. Malachi 3.10 says, prove me now. Why should you take this challenge made by such a preacher as I am? I'm nothing in the biggest, uh, in the biggest majority of men's opinions. I don't deserve your attention. Why then would any man take this challenge? It doesn't get me extra honor. It glorifies God. When a child of God proves God to be, uh, proves God to supply his or her needs, this gives God great glory. It doesn't give me any glory. It gives God great glory. If you're saved today, it doesn't give me any glory. It gives God great glory. It gives rejoicing in heaven, one soul that repenteth, as I said last Sunday morning. When a poor, undeserving sinner comes to God seeking to be saved, it glorifies God. He glorifies God. Thank you. Let's all stand if you would. Let's sing a verse of song and I'm going to let you go.